and welcome to Queer and Dumb. I am dumb. I am Tom Valamies. I have opinions about things not always supported by facts. So in order to be slightly less of an idiot, I started this podcast so I can ask about things and have them explained to me. And I'm joined by Jamie. Jamie McDonald. I am queer. And apparently I am a all-knowing resource about all things queer and everything I say will definitely be applicable to every queer person in the universe. Thank you. I'm not going to fact check anything you say. You're just uh, you're just a god. <laughs> Neither uh, am I. So <laughs> we have always a topic for an episode and uh, the topic is now queer comedy. Like stand-up comedy, all kinds of comedy. Uh, but before that, we're going to go to Pink News. Uh, a news aggregator site for uh, queer news and uh, look at some new items there. Uh, one was that uh, a quarter, 25% of the users on Grinder are using it not just for sex, but also to network. Uh, is this, uh, did you know that it's a job app? No, I didn't actually. Maybe I should download it for that reason. <laughs> Yeah, there people are making all kinds of comments to this news, like uh, opens up Grinder, uh, shut up, I'm working. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this uh, what, what is uh, Grinder? Is it for gay men? Is it a lesbian thing? Or what is it? Mostly gay men. It'll be there's some. It's mostly gay men. Yeah, there is one. There's a really funny. Uh, oh gosh, what's it called again? It'll come to me in a minute. But there's one for it, it's Lex. Lex. It's called Lex, and it's for lesbians. Yeah. And it's no pictures, it's only text. Ah. And it's totally wild because it's all it's like people just like really describing things. And it works really well for that community, apparently. I think it's really funny. There's a different operating procedures for different communities. It seems to be. Bumble is for feminists. It's a straight app for a feminist. Okay. So the way Bumble works is that though only the woman can make the first move. Okay. So you match up like you would match up everywhere, but the first text has to be sent by a woman. Okay. So you don't get the same people you have on Tinder who are sending the same yeah. thing to 50. Hey, what's up? Yeah. Hey, hey, what's up to like uh, the 50 yeah, yeah. different. Yeah. And I've heard a lot of good experiences from uh, both uh, men and women about Bumble. They've uh, survived surviving the tinder war yeah <laughs> are you are you on any of the apps i'm on a, none of the apps i only meet uh women through gigs i do stand-up gigs i travel around finland and sometimes people come up to me and talk after a gig mm-hmm. and sometimes if i'm brave i go myself mm-hmm. to talk to someone but it's more often that i get picked up okay and what happens is that on twitter I'm quite active on Twitter, yeah. so sometimes people see my show and they like me, yeah. and then they put me a message on Twitter. So me hooking up at all, yeah. me, hook, me having any hookups at all, is all dependent on being good on stage. Yeah, yeah. So the the most that's so heteronormative. I have to be successful at my job. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, you're, you're auditioning basically. Every show you do is an audition for a potential yeah. date. Yeah. I don't make my set about it. Like some people are like, so any women here? Seems insane. (laughs) But yeah, I'm not on any of the apps. And the reason why I explain it to myself is that I'm not the best looking guy in Mm. the world. And everything I've read about the apps is that you get nothing. And then a colleague of mine, a female colleague of mine, who has uh, 
a good pull life. Like whenever she goes to a bar, if she wants company, she always gets company. She's right. never had any trouble getting company. Right. She has like great energy. She's really funny and uh, great company. But the picture of her face is not a model. Hmm. So she said she went on Tinder and during two weeks, she got zero matches, like okay. zero. So it was just uh, hell yeah. because uh, everyone was like, oh, I can get a prettier face. And that uh, scared me off any of the apps. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to go on any, like the Lex would be perfect, actually, but I'm not a lesbian. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And actually, like, I can totally see the draw of Lex because with that, with I feel like, and this goes, this feels like early days of internet, right? Yeah. Like back when you would flirt over a BBS, that it's the person's energy through their text that you kind of get a, you get a vibe for. And I mean, I, when I was younger, I fell in love with people over the basis of email more than once. Absolutely. Just because the, the writing had so much in it, you know, yeah. just so much of that person's mind there. I download Tinder a couple times and then I would make a profile, get maybe a match or two and then just like run away. Like I'd be like, I, I, I can't meet people this way. And then I download Grindr and I, I look at it and I get just afraid and then I go away. So uh, we're both not very good on the apps. No, I hate the apps. And also, as a trans guy, it's really tricky to be on Grinder because I'm sure it's getting better. There's other apps as well. There's like Scruff and there's ones that are, yeah. you know, whatever. But what's but the problem with Grinder? for us? Well, one of the, the trans guys' problem with Grinder is people are often very direct and straightforward about, hey, are you trans? What Do you have a dick? okay, you shouldn't be here kind of thing. They will tell you really like oh, shit. straight to your face. Well, straight to your profile face yeah. that they're not into. Or you can also get the kind of opposite messages, which are, hey, I've always wanted to try. <laughs> so you could be, you could <laughs> like be someone's pizza. curiosity. Yeah, yeah, which is also a lot of fun. So yeah, that basically- So that's two different ways of dehumanizing you. Pretty much, yeah. And- I get that on the apps, everybody gets dehumanized to some extent. Yeah. And if you're comfortable with that, if, if like you're, if you're willing to go into that to get a good date in real life, then okay. But I, I just don't have a thick enough skin. That sounds like a programming error that someone has to be asked if they have a cock. Yeah. It should be like if someone wants their sexual partner to have a cock, it should be clear before the talking stage. There should be categories or whatever. Am I too much of an engineer about this? Or Well, you can do it like that, but then you also, then it's kind of weird. It's a weird question to ask on a dating. Like, And a lot of people will put it's it in It's not there. a romantic question. No, and also like, you know, sometimes I, it's a question of like, do you put it in your profile right away? I'm trans, please fuck off if you are not into that. That keeps a lot of people away, but then it also means you, people who might actually be into you, they don't get a chance to even just say hello and they make the decision themselves. You know, they just kind of, yeah. uh, I don't know. I hate, this is why I hate the apps. <laughs> uh, I just hate them because I'm scared of uh, people not liking the way I look. It's, it's, yeah. That's why we mm -hmm. get into comedy. That's when, that is why. Uh, it's uh, funny on stage. So we can prove that we are actually kind of attractive. Yes. So uh, about Grindr being used for uh, jobs, is there a similar 
thing in the queer community where something started out as like a sex thing, but then it became like a job networking? Oh, gosh, I don't know. It probably. <laughs> I imagine, I mean, I really wouldn't be surprised if, if in the kink communities that a lot of, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of people got jobs through kink contacts. So the movie Cruising, Cruising, oh, I yeah. the 70s movie. Yeah. I don't know how accurate it shows the scene. I know it's filmed at an actual club. Right, but it's also like in the 70s. So like, yeah, yeah, yeah. probably. probably ha- it's, yeah, there's accuracy. So the people there who came there to hook up might have. But why would someone use Grindr for contact? Explain this to me. I don't know, because I think, I, I mean, I know a lot of guys who are on Grindr who just are there to, they do chat. And, you know, sometimes it's somebody that you have hooked up with or that you want to hook up with, but you're like at work or whatever until later, like, <laughs> and just having a conversation about things like people do chat, like have yes. conversations on Grinder. They're just, many of the conversations are, where are you now? And other conversations are, Hey, I remember you mentioned this thing about this and I've got this. Yeah. I think it's pretty normal for, it's pretty normal for people to be kind of looking out for the opportunities for other people. It's always nice to be surrounded by more queer people. (laughs) The news item says that Tinder has community guidelines, which advise users to make personal connections, not business ones. Mm. So Tinder doesn't want people to network there, but Grindr, the CEO of Grindr said that he uses it for networking. Yeah. (laughs) So these are fairly different attitudes. Yeah. Yeah. Is it just the differences of the gay and straight dating life or what do you think that uh, Tinder and Grindr have uh, such different views on job networking? I don't know. I don't know if there's, um, like it could be that in general in gay communities, there's quite a lot of cohesion and there's quite a lot of overlap into other areas of of life like if you go and work at a place and there's a another gay guy there it's very likely that you'll talk to that guy you'll have that other thing in common and so you kind of you kind of look out for each other so if you don't become friends you become associates sort of yeah 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 it can be like that but I wonder, I, yeah, I just don't know. Maybe because there are other, there is like LinkedIn and there is, there's so many other places to network. Maybe the idea of diminishing Tinder in, into becoming like a network site is uh, is a business problem. But for Grindr, I don't think it's a problem because people are definitely going to use it for sex. Yeah. And even on top of that, it's, I think gay people do network quite a lot. Okay. The second news item is that, uh, a drag queen makes a historic run for office to bring voice to the voiceless in Florida. Erica Rose could make history as the first drag queen to win a seat in Florida stage legislature. Have you followed the things in Florida? I know the the governor is both a Disney villain and a Disney villain. Yeah. Yeah. Because he behaves like a Disney villain and uh, he is a villain to Disney. Yeah. I, uh, I, I explained the joke. Hey, uh, in my country, you explained the joke. <laughs> so uh, Ron DeSantis is just making these completely insane laws. And when there's action, there's a reaction. Yeah. So what do you know about uh, Florida stuff? 
Well, I have followed a little bit of the legislature that's come out of there, like the Don't Say Gay bill, the way that they're trying to limit what kind of books are in schools and stuff like that. A lot of what I see is just what I've seen on Twitter and Instagram. Like I follow writers and writers are talking about, hey, my books got removed from schools in Florida. So that's kind of how I keep up on it. Because if I tried to read everything that shitty that came out of Florida in terms of queer people, I would be doing that all day. Also, there's like mo- a- uh, excuse me. And do you mostly follow uh, queer people on Twitter? Mm, uh, probably about half. Half. Yeah. Yeah. It just kind of happens that way. I have to kind of, I have to branch out a lot more, but, um, I can tell you about the straights if you want to, I, I read them all the time. They're commenting on queer people. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you love when I have an, <laughs> when I have a hot take about yeah. the, the queer community. Actually, it's not that bad. Like, I mean, when, when a straight person has a take that is a good take, it's like, ah, oh, thank God somebody's going to take the heat. <laughs> like, no, really. Cause yeah. like, you know, when you, you know, when you get on, when you're doing like queer activism and you're getting the fire all the time, it kind of cuts into your ability to do things like do your regular work and also, you know, feel less anxious, et cetera. So whenever, whenever I see straight allies taking the heat for queer people, I'm like, that's based. That's good stuff. Uh, sometimes, uh, we get it right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But the Florida thing also has like, she's going to take a lot of heat. Erica Rose is going to take oh, yeah. a lot of yeah, heat. Yeah. She better be ready for it, but she's going to have a lot of support as well. Yeah. Do you know, there's also a Finnish connection to the laws that have been passed in, uh, in Florida. No. no. So they, um, one of the people who's been running the youth trans clinic in Tampere for 10 years, this Rita Kertu Kaltiala is her name. And she was flown into Florida to testify about how stuff like the social contagion. So like that a lot of young girls are thinking that they're trans boys because it's fashionable and they're not actually served by this treatment. And she's been known really long time in Finnish trans circles as being very, a very strong gatekeeper in the sense that like, it's very difficult to kind of get past her. She's like a, a big boss yeah. in the trans clinic. Then it's if really you want yeah, to correct your trans- gender. Yeah, yeah. Ex- exactly. And, uh, and she's very conservative in this way. And she has the wrong job. She has absolutely the wrong job. And yeah. she's been there for a long time. I mean, but she's, and they flew her in as an expert to help pass these laws in Florida. So well done, Finland. I don't know what to say. It's, uh, I apologize. Yeah, that's all right. Well, uh, presenting now you're talking to me like I represent all the people. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now I'm getting, now I'm like, yeah, I, she's not. We're, in, we're not all the not, same. She's not in the room with us. I know that. <laughs> if it helps, well, from what I know of her, uh, she's an asshole. Yeah, yeah. So I, I didn't know this connection, but yeah, Erica Rose is going to take a lot of heat. Do you think she has a shot? No, no. To win a seat? No, no. no. But she's going to do. An amazing job and it's going to be, she's going to draw out the support that really is there. Yeah. And I think that will be important for people to see just how much, just how much the DeSantis line is. It is a particular line of reality, but it's not actually the dominant line of, you know, what people think. Would you say that the average Florida person is not as phobic as Ron DeSantis? hundred percent. Yeah. Why did they choose, why does the average Florida person choose such a phobic person to be the leader? One thing is that there's the whole voting 
shit show that is in the U.S., right? All the gerrymandering, all the, the things about how it, the people who are who tend to be progressive also tend to be in areas where it's more difficult to vote. So the conservative and the, the staunchly conservative tend to vote a little bit more. That's the same in Finland. A big thing for the left yeah. is uh, energizing these stoned hippies. Yes. <laughs> you do realize that it's the voting day. <laughs> Yeah, every year I actually put a message out on my Facebook to say that, hey, if you if you haven't voted yet and you need a ride to go and vote or you need just somebody to kick your butt and say, get out of the house and vote now. If you're because people get depressed and apathetic and I always put that out. And so far, nobody's taken me up on it. But I every year on, on the voting day, I just say, if you need help getting out to vote. I'm here. I will. I will get you. I will get you there and make you vote. If you live in Finland in the Helsinki region, Jamie <laughs> is basically your a free cab rider. Yeah. On voting day. Only on voting day, and only to polling stations. I'm not uh. taking you to Burger King. <laughs> <laughs> so th- all the worst people in the world that I know, they all vote. Yeah. Like each and every one. Like yeah. They would never miss a chance. They'd never give up on any power. And DeSantis is also like he represents more than just the there's more than just the anti-queer in, in his stuff. There's I mean, there's the there's environment, you know, environment, this religion, there's like, COVID. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, God. The COVID thing was so weirdly polarizing, too. And so there's people who kind of don't give a shit either way about gay people, but do care about the way that COVID was implemented. Yeah. They might vote. Then the queers just become collateral damage. I have a question about how to name people. The way the Pink News did yeah. was they listed uh, the birth name yeah. of the character, yeah. and then in the middle, in parentheses, was Erica Rose. Right. Would you do it like that, or just say Erica Rose? Like, how do you do with a drag queen? Do do you have to give their like birth name? It or? depends. So, because in the rest of the article, there it's Erica. It's Erica, and they're using she. I think that would be defined by Erica herself. That if she was running as her everyday guy name, then they would say Michael Travis. But then it's Erica Rose because that's who's running. Which is at the polling station? I don't know actually what what their legality is. I'm sure that she'll have to. She's registered to vote under her legal name. Yeah. Definitely. But can she run under a performer name? Is that, I don't know what the legality is of that, actually. It might depend on the state. I'm sorry to confuse drag queen with a 16-year-old just being an idiot. But in one of the 2016 elections, there was a teenager who was in the primaries. Yeah. Because you could be in the presidential primaries when you were 16. Okay. In one of the states. Nice. It was just this kid. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, the name he used was the D's Nuts. He'd done all the paperwork. Yeah. So the local TV stations had to show the percentages. Donald Trump is this much popular. And then with a 0% of the vote, it's these nuts. (laughs) So the kid did it just to get news free. Like I'm laughing, but also I fucking hate that kid. I was friends with that kid in high school. And it's like, oh God, come on. Yeah, that's being a 16 year old idiot is not a gender identity. No, no, of course. But Uh, also uh, drag is different in that way too, because there are some drag performers who are trans. Yep many who are not. And the question of what pronouns and what name do you use is you got to understand. I've got so many friends who are, I got friends who are drag queens 
who also do drag king. So they have two separate names for that. Then they go and do burlesque. And now they have a third name because they've got three <laughs> performer names. Then they change their name because they're transitioning. And then they change it again because it wasn't the right name in the first place. I have friends with like five names and I don't use any of them. <laughs> I use some other weird nickname for them that, that we somehow came up with on, on one night or another. I have, I have like many a, friends that I'm like, no idea mess. what the fuck to call yeah. them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So uh, one more thing about Erica. Erica Rose says the Florida politicians have ignored the real issues residents face, including housing market troubles, coral reef system dying, and reassuring LGBTQ plus tourists it's safe to visit the state despite the hostility, and instead use their time to attack drag queens and trans folks. Yeah. Is there genuine hate behind the trans issues, or is it a smokescreen to get other Republican stuff through? I think it's both. It's a very convenient, robust smokescreen, if you know what I mean. Yeah. It's absolutely being used for political clout because it also has very strong, there's very strong emotions behind it. They are genuinely also transphobic. Is the trans panic because of the current increased acceptance of gay people that you can't have the gay panic anymore. You got to have yeah. something else. Yeah, I totally, I totally think so. And if you look at like a lot of the arguments that were used against gay people, like when I was growing up, it was really, really controversial to have a, a gay teacher at a school. Yeah. It doesn't even matter if they were out or anything like that. It's just, if they were found out to be gay, you know, it would be newsworthy. And then the parents would say like, no, a homosexual cannot teach our children math. <laughs> 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 you can't have math be too fabulous. No, no, not not gay math. Not gay We math. want proper straight math. You can't add two plus two. They're the same number. <laughs> <laughs> two squared. <laughs> yeah. But also the, it's no longer acceptable socially to be homophobic, basically, in most of the West that that we live in. When we talked about issues changing... You know what's significant about the year 1997? A couple of things. I could say that's the year that Ellen came out. Oh, we're going to talk about the queer comedians. Okay, that's uh, that's one. That, yeah, Is that's there one. anything else about the year? 1997. You're not going to know this. It's no. just random trivia. No. During that year, according to polling, 50% of people in the United States of America agreed with interracial marriage. <laughs> Agreed with. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they were like, they're okay with it. They're okay with it. They're okay with other people. Yeah. So until the year 1997, more than half of the United States of America's people were against. I didn't know it was this recent. Yeah. It's definitely recent, but it still also kind of boggles the mind. <laughs> the more time goes on, the more you're like, why, why did we, wh why did people think that? Like, why did we have that? What, what was the point also of having that kind of crazy uh, opinion? I don't, from nowadays perspective, it sounds completely insane. Yeah. Yeah. But it was half and uh, about Finland. I'm going to say one thing about Finland in 1994, yeah. 1994, we got a law that criminalizes a rape that happens in a marriage. Oh, that's pretty early. That's, uh, so until 1994. Yeah. And now, in 2023, we have a president, Sauli Niinistö, who voted against this. 
Oh, really? So in today, 94. in 94, right. uh, I think the vote was like 92 or something. Yeah, okay. He's tried to explain it away, yeah. but it's still fairly wild yeah. that in the name of uh, the year of our Lord, 2023, <laughs> Finland has a president yeah. who thought in 92 that uh, you should be able to rape your wife. Yeah, that's pretty nuts. That's wild. Yeah. I mean, but that's also like, that's so many different opinions that... And so many people could claim, you know, these kinds of opinions that they had yeah. way back when, you know, I grew up thinking that the death penalty was okay. <laughs> and I would say, I don't think it's okay anymore. You don't seem like a bloodthirsty person to no, me. No, I wasn't a bloodthirsty. I haven't I, seen you in traffic. I, I think, yeah, well, that's true too. But I think it was like, A, it was normalized because yep. I lived in Canada. We didn't have the death penalty, but the States did. And I was kind of used to it as an idea. The notion... I had at 18 or 19 years old, why should somebody who is a criminal, irredeemable, irredeemable, irredeemable criminal, why should they cost the taxpayer money? Uh-huh. <laughs> that was my take. I was a, I was a terrible edgelord. And then, you know, and then you were fiscally responsible. I, yeah, basically. Yeah. I a lot a, of the worst people I in the world small, are fiscally small responsible. C yeah. Conservative basically. Yeah. Then, of course, I I didn't have at my disposal the argument about whether or not the state should have any jurisdiction whatsoever on capital punishment, basically. The state should never be able to go to that length. Are you saying the state uh, killing a person is not just a money issue? It's not just a money issue. It is, (laughs) in fact, an issue of people. You're radical. Yeah, but I think it's really normal that we've dehumanized a lot of experiences that are not part of our humanity. Yeah. So it's really easy for us to go like, well, this is not, this isn't a question of an actual human being. This is just a, like a story I read in the papers all the time. Okay. Let's get started with the subject of today's episode, yeah. which is not just Ellen DeGeneres, but also you. Uh-oh. So queer comedy. Have you always done queer comedy? Like when did you start as a stand-up? Oh, I guess I started about 10 years ago. Yeah, maybe 10 years ago-ish. And uh, when did uh, you transition? That would have been seven or eight years ago. No, wait a minute. Hang on. I got to get my year straight here now because I definitely, I must have started comedy more like 12 years ago because I'd definitely done for a few years before I transitioned. I transitioned starting in like 2014, end of 2014. But, and I knew that I was going to transition for a while before that, of course, but I didn't talk about it in my comedy until I was definitely sure it was going to happen. But did you talk about queer issues from gig one? No, did I? I well, I seem to remember. <laughs> I seem to remember finding out that there was. It was some Saints Day. His name is Homo Bonus. There is a <laughs> so there is you there is a your... saint called Homo Bonus, and I just I had some riff on on this name because it was very. Uh, it seemed like a unicorn mine, so I went there. I was always talking, I mean, I was pretty sure I was always talking about like gay issues or gay politics at some point, but I was always kind of interested in making, I wanted to take the non-homophobic stance, you know. So you were values liberal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I try to be values liberal as well, but that's not exactly like queer. No. No. Well, a lot of people would get me, see me on stage and assume that I was a lesbian, so I would talk about not being a lesbian (laughs) and what it's like to have everybody assume that you're gay. That kind of then I start to feel like I have an in to gay culture by just being 
by people assuming that I'm gay, that I have a position within gay culture, even if it's outside, so outside of it somehow. Were the audiences confused? Not after I talked. Yeah. I don't, I don't think. Maybe they... Depends on how rambly I was. You know how it is sometimes. Yeah. You get up there and talk and go, oh. <laughs> When you uh, transitioned, yeah. did uh, your comedy change or... Yeah, it became a lot smarter because I was on testosterone. <laughs> Queer and dumb approves of this message. <laughs> no, no. Change how? Like, uh, um, Did you talk about different things? The thing was that when I was transitioning, literally the most interesting thing that was happening to me in my life was everything in, connected to transitioning. So I did talk about that a lot because I wasn't having weird experiences that were not related to transitioning. So that's your life. So you talk about yeah. your life. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And generally I get jokes from weird transactions yeah. that I have out in the world, which is why the COVID time sucked because I wasn't going out and just having random encounters with people. I've seen you do wildly different sets. When I saw you at uh, Pride, yeah. you had 30 minutes about just about different Prides. Yeah. Uh, and then I saw you in a place in Helsinki, the capital of Finland, in the place called Vuosari. Oh, yeah. Which is sort of out and about. Yeah. So it's even though it's part of Helsinki, it's almost like its own community. Yeah. So there's nothing. It takes a while to get out of there anyway. So it's like a small village inside Helsinki. Good, honest people live off the ground. Sure. Sure. Regular people. Regular, Regular people. honest folk. And you were hosting a show. The opening 10 minutes that you did, you just absolutely killed with, uh, how do I say this, uh, some of the hackiest material <laughs> I've ever heard. Really funny. Because the hack is popular because it's funny. Mm-hmm. And people want to hear it. Oh, I'm from Canada. Uh, in Canada, people be like this. But in Finland, uh, you're kind of stiffer, so you do like this. Yeah. Uh, in Canada, and people are like, oh, my God, he noticed. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> and, <laughs> and the Finns are like, because we're a small country, we're yeah. always like, oh, this foreigner knows something about us. Yeah. And huge amount of laughter, just completely killing it. You didn't do any of the stuff about your identity or yeah. something. When you look at the audience before you go on stage, are you like, should I do intelligent stuff or should I hack it up? <laughs> Sometimes I get there and I see the crowd or I hear what they're laughing at with, this is different because I was hosting. I have learned that I think I'm super approachable and super easy with my opinions. And I have learned that not everybody seems to think this and that I apparently am quite like radical uh, in some of my thoughts. Then I can also be a little bit cerebral. You're um, not soft. No. You're not touchy-feely sort of person. Like right. some hosts are like, oh, we're here to have fun. Da, 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 da. Yeah, yeah. You just get straight to the point of something. Yeah, yeah. Like you don't sugarcoat stuff. No. And sometimes I am going to bring out the queer stuff later. Yeah. But I don't want to start with it because I want to make sure that everybody in the room is with me. And if I start out with the queer and political stuff, I'm going to lose a certain percentage of the room immediately just because they're not sure what's going on they don't know where it's going or whatever. So I do often spend some time just establishing that, hey, we like each other as human beings. And then by the way, here's all this other stuff. And then the hope is that they will go after that. Like, oh, I I saw a trans person and they were not terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) The last time I saw one uh, was in Silence of the Lambs. And this uh, This one was uh, a lot more humane. And I laughed and I, I liked them as a human being. So that's yeah. your impersonation of the good people of Wasari. Pretty much, yeah. 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 Uh, they might be a bit more tipsy when they're saying it. In that bar, at least. 
you have sort of like different gears that you can use. You can call it code switching. You heard that? No. It's something that often happens with racialized people or with queer people, which is that we have learned different ways of talking, different ways of presenting ourselves, depending on who's in the room. It's really kind of a common thing that in a room full of queer people, many of the people will kind of be a little bit more over the top and a bit more, maybe they'll have, you know, bigger gestures. They'll talk a bit louder in a more straight environment. The same people will not use the same language and not use exactly the same gestures. They'll tone it down. They'll match what the people in the room are. Don't all humans do that? All humans do that to, no, not all humans do that. Okay. There are some people who don't realize that that is a thing you can do. <laughs> <laughs> How do they maintain their employment? Usually they're the bosses. Ah. Uh. This is often like the big joke about straight guys. They just kind of barge into a conversation somewhere and they treat it like their own conversation. And they haven't realized that everybody else is really on a different level. They get confused that people don't want to interact with them. Because their truth is too real. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. <laughs> They're spitting such hot fire yeah. that uh, not being understood because they're they're too close to the ultimate truth. That's that. That might be it. They might they they might be burning too bright for us to handle. <laughs> yes. But also, I mean, you find you probably find this with black kids in East Helsinki where when they're around their friends, they talk a certain way. And then when they're around white fins, they talk a different way. Okay, so that's code switching. Code switching, yeah. So you do that on stage. You performed uh, all over Finland. How different are the crowds? And I'll tell you why I ask. Yeah. Because there's this uh, black Finnish comedian uh, who had uh, spent most of his life in the capital area. Yeah. And then he uh, won a competition and got to do a tour around. Actually got like beat up and heard the N-word a lot. And I still, yeah, I'm, st- I'm still he reeling was, from this. It's, it's insane. And he was like, I didn't know what the real Finland is like. Because the capital region, capital region of a country is often their port to the outside yeah. world. That's where the, like when foreign companies come over here, they go to the capital region and whatever. So sure. a capital region of a country is a diluted version of that country's culture. And then this black colleague of mine learned that uh, actually Finland is really, really racist. Yeah. So how is it for trans men, a queer person going around Finland? I've actually never had, I've never actually been harassed with any degree of violence. No matter where I've been in Finland, it's been pretty lucky. I've occasionally had people giving me what I seem to, I perceive them as pretty hostile looks from the crowd. I've seen a couple of people who are like really not, they don't approve or something like that. I've actually had more people yelling at me because I'm speaking English than because of any of the queer stuff. Since the hillbillies don't know the language. Yeah, or they get drunk and they get, they just get upset that they have to listen to somebody speak English for 20 minutes and they don't understand everything. I've been shouted to like, go back to Canada. (laughs) (laughs) It's a racist heckle that is the lightest possible degree. (laughs) I think... Is it uh, xenophobic? Or xenophobic, yeah. Xenophobic because uh, heckle, nationality, yeah. Yeah, that's xenophobia, yeah. Yeah, yeah. As far as xenophobia goes, that's the tutorial level yeah. of xenophobia. 
Are there areas that are better for you? Is the capital region easier? You know what the toughest region is? Is actually the ring around the capital. If I go to it, I've been to small towns. Uh, like 45 minutes from Helsinki. Yeah, 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 yeah. Pretty much. Like the everywhere else I go up north and, you know, I go small places. I've been li really small, like outside of Olo, Ulyvieska, or like, you know, just tiny places. And usually they are just kind of excited that something is a little bit different. And also I am really, really easy. I go easy on people quite a lot. And I do all that foreigner in Finland stuff to kind of establish a baseline of <laughs> we don't we don't need to beat each other up kind of thing and occasionally i've been hit on which is weird because you also get hit on sometimes by people who are like, i don't know what you are but i'm into it <laughs> which genders hit on you of like, anything any yeah. just any. yeah anybody yeah they're having a little awakening moment and they kind of throw it uh, that's nice for you i'm going back to my hotel room by myself as a queer performer yeah. How does it feel like to awaken someone's feelings of uh, new kind of sexuality? Kind of awesome, but I don't want to be there for the next part. Okay. <laughs> yeah, the, the best is actually when, you know, because you get a lot of people who come up afterwards in the small towns. You get somebody who's like, my cousin is coming out as trans or my friend is gay or I haven't told anybody this, but I think I'm trans. Like, I've had people come out to me so many times because I'm also the easiest level of person to come out to because I'm obviously totally safe to come out to. Also, they don't know me personally. So I have no, it's like, you know, using your new name at Starbucks, getting your coffee, which happens uh, a lot kind of thing. It's like, it's a low, there's no cost. There's no, and yeah. you've made uh, jokes about yourself. So they know you're not a bully Yeah, because bullies don't do that. Right. So. Right. Okay. So why are the areas around the capital region more transphobic than the rest of the country? I don't know. It's kind of like if you imagine every small town has got a variety of different kinds of people in it. And if you think of like Helsinki, the capital region is like a small town. The most progressive ones have gravitated towards areas right in the middle. Oh. And then it's kind of left the more conservatives all around the edges. This happens every single time I go out to Kerava or Lahti is also kind of weird that way. Or even Kirkunumi, uh, like if I get like just outside these ring roads, there's yeah. a whole bunch of people there who, and their English is all, also not very good. It's kind of a funky, funky so it's, situation. So it's like when you make cheese out of milk, <laughs> you got the good stuff in the middle, and then the leftovers are at the side. <laughs> This is uh, the official stance of yeah. queer and dumb. This is the way. Okay, so Jamie, uh, I don't know how to say this, but enough about you. Ah, good. Queer comedy. You gave me some names and I watched all the clips. First of all, I have to say you have selected them well because they're all excellent. <laughs> they're people I like. They're people I like. They're really good comics. So you know, the ones I noticed was, uh, is it Susie Izzard or does she uh, ever go by Eddie? I think she's mostly Susie now. I haven't looked it up recently because it, I mean, it changes on a, it's in a flux state right now. So it's been changing quite a lot rapidly. So it can sometimes be Eddie Izzard. I think it sometimes Susie. can be, but yeah, Susie is what she goes by now, I think. Yeah. And Ellen uh, DeGeneres, yeah, yeah. maybe the richest uh, show business yeah. queer person. Yeah. And, uh, Margaret Cho, yeah, and Tig Notaro, Graham Norton, Hannah Gatsby, Wanda Sykes, those I knew yeah. in advance. Are there quite a few queer comedians who are fairly known, or how do you feel? 
there have not been as many queer comedians out as well. It's hard to look historic. I think like famously Richard Pryor was bisexual. I didn't know. Yeah, it's famously within the queer community. <laughs> you know, we know, we, we find out. That's why uh, this podcast is I Don't Know Things. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. He, would, he would never have talked about it in his comedy. Not at that time. Yeah. Even if he chose to talk about it at all. People have sometimes said, am I the first queer comedian in Finland? Is like, I know for a fact that I'm not. I may have been the first person who was out on stage. Oh, yeah. So yeah, there's definitely, there's definitely been others. I know several and uh, I will now list their names, <laughs> addresses, <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> place of employment. Yeah. yeah, And PayPal. So you can just pay them. PayPal, yeah. There haven't been, there's been also tons of people who, like Graham Norton, has been yeah. out forever, but also does something that is, and Ellen also, they've both been out forever, but they've been doing their kind of work is, it's a lot of hosting, it's a lot of interviewing, it's a lot of stuff that doesn't necessarily rely on them being gay in any way. Okay, so there's queer comedy where a person talks about the issues, yeah. the queer community, And there's just a queer person being like, oh, what's with cars? Cars yeah. are funny. Yeah, there's yeah, there's yeah. a lot of that too. Yeah, Wanda Sykes also has, and and Whoopi Goldberg also. They've been. What confused me about uh, Wanda Sykes? Yeah, was, was I didn't know that yeah. she's queer, and the reason I didn't know was an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm from 15 years ago or something yeah. where she has a boyfriend. Yeah. Because uh, obviously I didn't even think about bisexual. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm dumb. Here's this episode of an entertainment show. That woman has a boyfriend. So uh, in real life, she must be uh, straight. This yeah, was yeah. A, classic, the way my mind works. Classic bisexual erasure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> classic, yeah. yeah. That's the, the way it typically works. When I was growing up, I saw a little bit of stand-up comedy and the one that I really liked The first one I really, really loved was was Izzard. Izzard, yeah. Yeah. It wasn't because of the queerness, exactly. Just uh, liked them based on the jokes, not whether how he was dressed in. Yeah, yeah. Stuff. It's sort of sort of both because... Well, get, then again, it kind of was because like we had once talked before, like there was like a level of trust that yeah. just arose because I understood that this person has something going on that I recognize on some level. About queer comedy, could you say that there's some elements in it that are more common than in so-called straight comedy or is it have you noticed any any aspects could you say that queer comedy is a bit like this or queer comedy can also be really there's a thing that sort of happens when you are when you know you're an outsider it can kind of make you take positions a little differently in comedy you were saying you had looked up some of these other, other yeah comedians. I was told, yeah One thing that you said was that they were really likable. Yes. They weren't edgelords. Yeah. They were really likable. And I was thinking, because there's so many frat bro comedians, and the ultimate frat bro comedian is Dane Cook. Never tried to be any likable at all. Dane Cook's whole act was talking about how little of a shit he gives about any of social conventions and how in different situations he'll only think about himself. Right. There's just no likability, and he was the most popular comedian of the aughts, yeah. the 2000s. Yeah, the uh, attitude era. <laughs> the the attitude era, and there's the attitude era hasn't stopped. No. There's still these frat bro comedians, and they can be successful without any likability. But all of uh, the queer comedians you uh, listed are uh, likable. 
Do you have I to was, be? I was shocked a little bit when you said, I was like, I, was, I found it really depressing when you said that a little bit, because it just says to me that likability is part of safety. This idea that you don't give a shit about social conventions. I think a lot of queer people don't have a choice. You have to give a, some shit about social conventions because it's dangerous not to. It sort of depressed me a little bit to think that for a queer comedian to be queer on a mainstream stage, they have to be likable. They have to pull that out. They don't have the choice of being, you know, fuck you to everybody. Drag queens can do that, though. Oh, they can. Yeah. There's like a whole genre called mean queen. Ah, so is it the roast comic of the drag community? Yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. And, you know, there are also, Robin Tran is a great roast comic. The people who I've noticed was uh, Susie Izzard, Ellen Generous, Margaret Cho, Dignitaro, Graham Norton, Hand of Gatsby, Wanda Sykes. And then the ones I didn't know was uh, Matteo Lane, uh, Joe Lissett, Robin Tran, and May Martin. Yeah, Joe Lysett. But, Joe yeah, Lysett, yeah. 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 There were... They were all really good, likable, and the Robin Tran, the set that I saw on yeah. YouTube was extremely smart. Yeah. Just, it was about him transitioning. Her transitioning. Uh, about, uh, yeah. about her transitioning, being Vietnamese and everything. Yeah. All the jokes were just incredibly smart, so I can see her being quite good. Yeah, she's really funny, because also she's, she really put all the stuff into YouTube. She's like, no hormones, no surgery, no voice work or anything like that. She, she describes herself like, like a super lazy trans woman. And part of that, I think she said, is like, is really kind of conscious choice in some way, oh, a lazy conscious choice, but anyway, a conscious choice. Who would she have needed to see when she was younger yeah. is not really Caitlyn Jenner or, or not even like Liver and Cox, who's, you know, the, the gorgeous completely well put together, beautiful trans woman. She needed to see somebody who was also a bit of a fuck up. And <laughs> the laziest transition. Yeah. 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 What motivates people is not always greatness. It, it can be inaptitude. Yeah. Yeah. Since uh, when I went to see stand up comedy for the first time, the first show was good. So I was like, I can't do this. Yeah. And then I went to an open mic and I was like, I definitely can do this. Yeah. <laughs> so is it the same thing? Yeah, it's yeah, it's kind of like, you know, you go watch Cirque du Soleil and you think, oh, I can't do any of this. Yeah. But then you go and see a bunch of five-year-olds messing around at the playground. And you're like, oh, I, 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 I got this. Like I, can if be, you, I can be a circus. Then artist. you see a comedian who talks about being an underachiever, also in their transitioning. Yeah, yeah. And they don't just talk the talk. They also walk the walk yeah. of mediocrity. Yeah. They yeah. <laughs> walk the walk of mediocrity. That's the a queer and dumb's of life lesson. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Another thing that's common here is there there wasn't hack. Hack is sort of overused topic, so right. I wouldn't know what would be the, the queer equivalent of hack since uh, the society is finally realizing that these are actual humans with like <laughs> uh, value and something. So I wouldn't know what would be the overused topics, but there were all of the sets I had to think. I got to think. Mm. I got new ideas, and I felt like I didn't just see, it wasn't just popcorn. Yeah. Like when you eat popcorn, it's just like nothing. Yeah. It's just empty. But a lot of successful straight comics have sort of empty sets. Where yeah, it's yeah. just like, well, you, you know, when you go to a party, there's always one person who's had a bit too much to drink, yeah. and ooh, it's her wild night out. And then <laughs> just all the stereotypes about like straight women possible. And yeah, yeah. I didn't see 
that. It wasn't like whoop whoop comedy, like woo woo. Yeah. Is queer comedy smarter, or did you just uh, select these names? I mean, it's very possible that those are the ones that I tend to watch because I like comedy that has a couple levels, goes a little few levels deep, and is weird. You're yeah. not the only one who likes Ellen DeGeneres. Like yeah. some of these are fairly. El not Ellen's early stuff is kind of awesome. How, how you feel like, about uh, her? Just uh, her whole career well, persona, or whatever. Like the whole thing is like I, I kind of liked that she had this whole talk show that was. It seemed very. It was a certain kind of vibe that I would never really watch her show, but I wouldn't necessarily turn it off if it came on, or if I saw a clip on YouTube, it would be. I saw it as basically a little bit white lesbian Oprah. It was kind of a feel good vibe, and and also the fans. So if you're not crazy. into Oprah, you're not into a gay Oprah, uh, lesbian Oprah. For me, Oprah was more entertaining or more interesting. Ellen's fans were crazy. That's what it was, was fun to watch the show is just to watch like a room full of women just screaming and having a, a they're just having the time of their lives. And I, I always wondered ah. like, yeah, there's something, she's got something she, people are really into here. And then you find out about all the nasty business. We are business. in the biz, as yeah. they say, the biz. So we always hear before, like before it's in the news. Yeah. They'd same with uh, being a really annoying person. Is on a whole different planet than being like a sexual harasser. Yeah. So it feels weird to compare these two, but I knew about Louis C.K. really early, just really? because of being in the biz. Okay. Like, in, people talked a lot about it in the biz. Yeah. And I knew about Ellen DeGeneres yeah. being just the most annoying person you can meet. Yeah. Ten years before it was in the news. Really? Okay. Communities have information that's not. Mm. That's why this podcast exists. Uh, <laughs> so uh, we can we can out. The next 10 years. Yes. Yeah. On some level, you have to also think like in pretty much every field, I think there is assholes tend to get pretty far because you get an advantage by being an asshole sometimes until you don't. Yeah. The fall can be quite a swift. Losing a show that's one of the biggest shows on TV. Yeah. Just for being an asshole. Would that have happened to a straight person. Like she did no crimes. He was yeah. just an asshole. Yeah. That's the other thing about if you are, if you're queer, but also especially if you, whether this is like your choice or just because of the work that you do, whether if you have a position within the queer community, right? So if you're, if you're kind of representing queer people to other people, then you have this bizarre responsibility level that goes along with everything you do. Yeah. So, it's the same thing as people who, people of color may find that they have to be on their best behavior in order to be perceived as likable. Yes. Yeah, exactly. That by a white society. And it's this kind of thing where you also have a great deal of responsibility towards a community. If Donald Trump is the biggest jackass on the planet, it doesn't say anything about me as a white person. And for some reason, if Bill Cosby is a huge letdown for the black community. Yeah. Whereas Trump is just a terrible human being. Cosby can make black people look bad, but Trump doesn't make white people look bad. He doesn't make white people look good. But, <laughs> yeah. but, but got, that's kind of a high bar. I've never thought that someone would judge me based on being same skin color as Trump. Right. But the thing is, I often found, and this was something as well, that when you do 
when you're, you know, a baby comedian and you're out as queer and then the newspaper wants to talk to you because that's an interesting angle. And then you talk to the newspaper because you're dumb and you don't think, you don't know what you don't know. You don't know the biz. Right. And you don't <laughs> think the, you think, oh, I'm so excited. They're going to talk to me. And then they misrepresent what you say because they don't understand it that well or because they think they have a way of saying it that will be more interesting. You see that like a whole bunch of straight people read that and they think that what you've said is the truth. And then a whole bunch of queer people read that and they go, this it's great that you're there but also some of the things that have been said here don't help at all you're talking from experience yeah yeah uh, could you tell the whole class <laughs> you have started a new comedy scene here in finland which is the queer feminist nights you started like five six years ago yeah i would say so yeah yeah most of the performers are from the queer community and i'm guessing most of the audience a lot of the audience yeah a, yeah, lo a lot of yeah yeah You started this. Have you made some mistakes in those <laughs> nights where the queer community has been? Jamie, no. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I did one one fuck up, which was very noticeable. Plenty of smaller fuck ups. Should in, we go over the big one? I was doing a, a joke like from a trans mask point of view about, you know, having a packer. So having like prosthetic dick in your pants. Yep. And I made some jokes about how I would recommend to anybody to just pack prosthetic It doesn't matter if you have one already or not. Anytime that you need to feel a bit more confident, a bit more secure in the world, use a dick and you'll just give you that extra boost of, of confidence. If you've got a job interview, go ahead. Or, And then I said, if you have a hot date. And then I said, kind of I ad-libbed, just make sure you take it out before things get heated. That basically what I was not realizing that I was doing in that moment was saying that a woman who has a surprise penis yeah. is a problem. Right. So, oh, so I, your ad lib was uh, my ad phobic. My ad lib was totally transmisogynistic. Transmisogynistic. I didn't realize it at the time. I didn't, I didn't think about it like that at the time. And then I was told that it was. And at first I was a little bit defensive. And then I had a couple good friends. I had a lot of friends who were like, no, 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 you're not transphobic. Don't worry. Yeah. And then I had two good friends who were both queer who said, what did you do? <laughs> and I so it said what I did. And they said, yeah, yeah, you, you fucked up. I got booted out of feminist Facebook groups and people were like calling me nasty things and stuff like that. People who hadn't even seen the, the night or anything. They were correct to call me out on that. And they were correct to say that it was a transphobic thing to say. And it took me a minute, a few days to figure out exactly in what ways. But this up. didn't ruin your project of running We're feminist nights. No, it didn't. It re it really made me much more anxious for a while. Really, also made me a lot more careful about how I how I'm framing everything, because I had just thought that if I frame everything towards my own experience, because my experience is so unique and weird that nobody in the audience is as weird as me. Yeah, and that's a big mistake, right? Like if I'm in front of queer, if I'm in front of straight people, I can usually rely on the fact that my trans experience is so strange to them that I can say anything I want about it. They can't call me out on it. But in front of queer people who have very many different experiences, they would very easily catch me if I tried to represent my experience as being somehow universal. Yeah. So in front of a straight audience, when you talk about queer stuff, you can just talk out of your ass. I can't, yeah. Yes, exactly. And yeah, when I'm in the queer audience, I cannot talk out of my ass and that made yeah. me nervous for a really long time. But now I'm kind of used to just trying not to talk out of my ass too much. It's a good skill for a performer to have substantive opinions. Yeah, it can be good. 
Although I do miss, you know, the freedom of just being able to say whatever. And sometimes I get a little, I get a little jealous of the guys who can say anything they want and there's zero consequences. Would you like to be a frat bro comedian? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe just for a, a oh, week or something. Oh, chicks are dumb. Yeah. Yeah. I could do that for, I, I would feel so dirty after that. <laughs> I would just go they home and go like, what the fuck was that? And that They is, do not care. And then the check yeah. would come in. I'd be like, yeah, this is fine. Yeah. <laughs> all just entertainment man margaret cho also not just queer but um, her career has been affected by her being of uh, asian background yeah she's korean yeah korean yeah. yeah yeah so yeah she's super korean and, <laughs> and super queer both of those things i watched on youtube there's the first episode of her show from like the beginning of the 90s. Oh, wow. As she's talked about on stage how she had to lose weight to play herself. <laughs> <laughs> Which show business is a hell of a ride. Yeah. It might be one of the most racist things I've ever seen. Yeah. It was just the accents and uh, every joke had something to do with being an Asian and uh, a stereotype. And I could see the pain of the actors like this entire Asian family. So I wonder, what's it like to, on top of being uh, queer, to, I can't even imagine what that existence would be. like. You the, mean like having multiple intersections of like, yes. you know, so I've, I've got race to deal with and I've also got queerness to deal with. Yeah, I, I, that, that must be, that's a lot. That's a lot. It comes you, out in comedy, I think. You don't comedy. have that, but you have the Canada. I have the immigrant status, for instance, the language minority status, which I know it sounds stupid to, to say you're a language minority when you speak English. But yeah, being being in a country where most of the legal and social life is conducted in a language that you have a kind of rudimentary grasp over, it does do a lot to your access to society in general. What have you learned from other queer comedians? So like, have you had a epiphany? Like, oh, this person is doing that. I can do something similar to that or something. Oh, the, they went there. You can actually go there. I've loved watching Robin Tran be edgy because it's so, God, it's so good to know. <laughs> okay, she can just go out there and she can say things that like other queer comedians are too careful to say, but she's funny. Yeah. Uh, yep. You know what? There's... I feel like we, we also need gay villains, you know? We need the queer edgelords. Mean we, queens. Yeah, we need some of us who are not for everybody and who are, there's got to be a level playing field, you know? Like either everybody's got to be nice or we also get to be mean. <laughs> so Robin Tran, she's the closest to that that you've seen. I think she's maybe one of the edgiest trans comedians that I've seen. Although I, it depends on what club you're into. Because if, if you're in front of, if you're in a queer club, the edge is really different. In a queer club, for me, I love to go after queer people. And I love to go after queer, silly queer things because that's just fun. And I like to make people a little bit like uh, uncomfortable. You know, I want to make a straight audience uncomfortable. I also want to make a queer audience uncomfortable. And they're uncomfortable with different things. I got to modify. One thing that's a little bit kind of tricky is the preaching to the choir thing or the kind of baseline of wanting to stand up for certain people. Somebody like Joe Lysett does really well is he, he talks about homophobia and transphobia. He does it in a really funny way, but he also makes it really clear that this is the message of these phobias are stupid and not okay. Sometimes I feel like I want to be more quote unquote sophisticated than that. I don't want to be so on the nose with the message that's coming out. 
I really admire the way that somebody can be directly saying the political message, but also really funny. I always feel like I have to sneak it around in a backwards way to make it super clever. Otherwise, it's somehow twee. So do you feel like sometimes your your material is either funny or it has a message, so it's hard to combine? Yeah, or that if I want to com- put a message in there, that I've got to make it three levels deep. It's got to be a realization that is really sophisticated. I can't just come out and straight up say the thing I want to say. Yeah. Having said that, I also really don't like it when somebody says something that is, it's so obvious. It's a cheap laugh or a cheap applause, the empty applause. I think Hannah Gadsby gets a fair deal of that. I remember Sort of makes a point instead of a joke yeah. and then gets applause. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yes, straight men can be really annoying when they're hitting on lesbians. But I don't want to hear that the point is that somebody's a man hitting on lesbians. Like, we all know that happens. Please tell something about it that makes me grab onto it more. The fact that somebody is a man is not a punchline. It's got to be more interesting than that. Whereas, like, I think a lot of people will, they just kind of reach for the low-hanging fruit in in that instance. It's not enough to just point stuff out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, I've Now, having seen... said that, like, I think Gatsby also does a lot of other stuff, which is super funny. I've seen Hannah Gatsby live and uh, on Netflix, and uh, uh, the range is there. There's yeah. the sets that are, like, mostly jokes, yeah. which is would be the 20-minute club set that a comedian has to have to pay the bills. But then there's also, like, sometimes points, yeah. and you gotta choose. Let's make this about me. Okay, good. Do you have uh, any questions to the the straight comedy community or how do you feel if you're watching Matteo Lane doing a very gay set? The jokes are amazing, so I love it. I just I love jokes. The biggest love of my life is jokes. Mm-hmm. I've always loved making them. I try to write jokes as good as possible and tell them as well as possible, and I love hearing good jokes. I wasn't really thinking about well there's a there's a gay point to it yeah there's a gay point here somewhere <laughs> there's a gay point I, i was just thinking like, oh it's good because there's a unique selling point usp mm-hmm. he can make jokes that haven't that's not well trod territory because now i get to hear about new points of life so i get to hear new kinds of jokes mm. yeah and sometimes i'm bored with like the same kind of jokes that i hear do you relate to the way that they queer comedians talk The actual things that they're talking about, yeah. I don't relate to them, but I can understand them since I can understand an outsider status. Right. Everyone is different. I don't know, do people often feel like an outsider status? I feel like an outsider because in school I was uh, just mercilessly, relentlessly bullied. Right. For like nine years. Which is kind of literally being made to be an outsider Yes, yeah, so within that small so I community. was not accepted yeah. Yeah. by the class. It was hard to get friends. Uh, I was of, often alone. So the outsider, when the jokes are about an outsider perspective, what it's like when you don't understand what's going on, mm. I could um, associate with that. Yeah. Do you ever feel attacked by queer humor as a straight person? <laughs> no, no, no. Because why my, not? We are attacking you. My demographic has uh, the the power. God damn it! I knew that was so, gonna be it. <laughs> it's not. It's sort of uh, when I hear like a honky jokes. Yeah. Or yeah, cracker stuff. Yeah. Uh, cracker stuff, honky jokes. Uh, I wouldn't use slurs of minorities. Yeah. But 
I have no problem using slurs about white people. And the stereotypes are so funny. And some of them are true, like we, we smell of uh, milk. Yeah. Because uh, <laughs> then I realized, okay, we use more cheese and yeah. uh, compared to some other. Right. If you go to, let's say, an ethnic diner. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's going to be less cheese used in the food. But then if you just go get a hamburger or like some, so um, we do smell of milk and uh, the milk is not a good smell. So uh, white people don't smell very good. (laughs) (laughs) Are you saying that we could, the queer comedians could attack the straights more? Yeah. Maybe someone would get offended. I just don't, I don't hang out in the crowds that it sounds funny. Yeah. When the gay comedians talk about what straight people are like, and uh, uh, they point out our, I just some people get mad. Like, I mean, they use one of the terms for straight people in the queer community. Now it's a little less accurate, but it used to be breeders. I've, I've heard the term. Yeah, Isn't yeah. that about women? No, no, no. That's, it's that's, that's heteros. That's yeah. heteros because yeah. that's the quality that heterosexual couples are able to do that the queer community with most of them. Well, if Queers want to have kids. We could usually have to go through a little bit of technology or call somebody else to be involved. You know, it's like a science project. Yeah, yeah, like if exactly. queer people want to have kids, yeah, uh, then we get you, out the test like tubes a, and we have like a little an Bunsen exam. Yeah, 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 you have to much. figure it out. Yeah, sort of like an exam in math. You would have the the written ones. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Jack has three purrs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that, but then when straight people want to have kids, it's like have a. I forgot to put on the condom. Yeah, there was tequila involved. Yes. Yeah, and now there's a new human being. Yeah. But the breeders is yeah. one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. For instance, I would say that a lot of straight, a lot of queer people are super angry at a lot of straight people. Well, uh, well why could that possibly be? It's I have no a, idea. Yeah, it's uh, just it's just because uh, we're because we're all mentally ill. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we like to take like it out on. Say say one thing we've ever done to them. I mean, I don't know. Burned us at the stake. But That's one. We were cold at the time anyway, so it's fine. The anger, if it comes out in comedy, it could be extremely funny. I would see it um, from like the outsider perspective. If I wrote a set where I talk about the bullies. Yeah. And I'm just completely relentless to yeah. them. As long as I make it clear that I'm only annoyed about the bullies. If the straight people you'd be attacking would be the ones with the attitudes. Yeah. Then it's I see it entirely justified. And quite a few of us have had the attitude. So But then you can also go after the straight people who don't have an attitude but who are call themselves allies and then don't do anything. Yeah, that's I think it's a legal term like uh guilty by inaction. Yeah. If you see something happening and you do Nothing. Right. Yeah, the bystander. Yeah, the bystander yeah, or fact, something. Yeah. If you keep voting for people, would never vote for the trans yeah, law yeah, or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if I'm calling out straight people, it's usually not calling out the rank homophobes because they're not at my show. Yeah. I will only calling out the people who are at my show because that's who, why would you call out anybody else who isn't in the room? It doesn't make then sense. Then you're to not me. talking to the audience. You're, you're not talking to the, and you're also not using the power of bitchy comedy. <laughs> and snarky comedy, which is to which is to in, involve the people who are sitting right there. I wasn't invited to the class reunion. It's okay. ac- actually yeah, happened. Really. We, we had yeah. a we had a rings, and the rings said uh, it was sometime like 2005 or something when I was 25. The, yeah. the rings had a date for the year 2005. It said uh, the Parliament stairs. 
Eduskunnan portaat. So that's where. So a day before that, I looked up one of like the classmates and I asked like, do you know what time? <laughs> yeah. Because I don't want to be there the whole day. Right. I remember that she wasn't the worst bully. Right. I don't know what she spoke about me, but she never in front of. So I figured, okay, this one person I can call. This one person did bully me. She sounded extremely flustered on the phone. Mm-hmm. She's having a conversation she would never, never, ever want to have. And then she said that she'll call me back with the info. And she never called me back. And I texted her uh, two hours later. Is there anything? And she never replied to the text. I got ghosted out of a class reunion. That's that's a lot of bullying. But I was thinking because you said about the stage show. So if it ever happened that at a class reunion yeah. I would be booked to do a gig, yeah, it would just be a roast of the bullies. Yeah, yeah, and it would be justified. Yeah, yeah, it would. It would. They couldn't be like, "How dare you?" Yeah. That's the way I feel about a queer comic attacking straight people. If it's for a good reason, you do this. Why do you vote for these politicians? It's justified. Yeah, and frankly, I think if you are genuinely the sort of person who wants to be a good person and wants to be a better person, you will take being roasted by somebody who has a grievance. Honestly, kind of look at it and go like, "Okay, I could do better." Yes. And if you're like, "Well, this person's attacking me, and I don't feel good," then. My God, you only have one life. Will you please do something useful with it? Yes. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Learning is good. The topic was queer comedy and ended up being uh, my uh, trauma. Yeah, but this is a, another thing that do you... Okay, because queer people are using their trauma in comedy all the time. Yeah. I literally got to the point where if something really transphobic happened to me, my first reaction would be like, oh God, that's... Oh God, I feel bad. And then the second reaction was I can use this on stage and make money with it very quick cycle of bad things would happen to me and I would realize that I'm going to use this. That's every comedian. Right. That is every okay. single comedian. Ooh, I was dumped in a, a meaningful relationship. Yeah. I wrote really good material after that. <laughs> For like, like in during one week, I yeah. wrote 10 minutes yeah. that just were gangbusters. Yeah. Yeah. Later on, I've noticed that it was all chauvinistic. <laughs> But well, it was good. Know, it was like, like uh, you know, it was like good misogynist stuff. Called, okay, yeah, yeah, it's just <laughs> like well thought out misogynist stuff. It's high quality misogynist. Uh, high quality misogynist. Like great. If you want to hear a bitter comedian mm-hmm. talk about their ex for ten minutes, oh, wildly no. misogynist stuff. You don't want it to be bad misogynist stuff. No, you want, you want be, the high level stuff, definitely. <laughs> the but pure. Uh, then thinking about that, is it a good strategy to use your uh, tragedy as and your own identity in in, a, in comedy like this? Yes, yes, definitely. Because then you're talking about as long as you're not being like chauvinist, misogynist, or whatever. As long as you can tame the beast somehow, I think it's phenomenal. That's how you get the best songs. That how you get the best movies. This kind of direct human. You're kind of admitting that. Hey, I'm a human being and things happen to me. Yes. And I'm vulnerable and I'm going to just like show you, I'm going to filter it, but I'm not going to filter everything. Yes. Yeah. And uh, art is our way of trying to gra- get an understanding of the world. And if you're just talking about the easy bits of the world, then what's there to get an understanding of? But if you're talking about also like the hard things, of the world, then you can help someone process something that's hard for them to process. Yeah. So you're if you just do the kind stuff, if you just talk about the easy parts of the world, you're uh, you're entertaining people, which is good. It's good to entertain people, but you're not helping them process stuff. And yeah. through art, the first artists 
or either like the cave painters or like the shaman when there's like a fire yeah yeah a the, fire at night and the shaman is talking about the the gods in the sky or whatever it was a way for others to try to process stuff yeah yeah i mean we have things like bo burnham's inside is i think it's a masterpiece really i have um, to watch it it's yeah. um he's locked in he's depressed he's turning 30 he's he is it's it's great it's it's all processing and it's really good what's bo burnham got a pro he got huge at like 15 I know. i know dude must have lived the most privileged life i know there was and he didn't have the trappings of like child stardom He's, since there weren't all these producers and whatever trying to harass what can bo burnham of all the humans in the it's mental health oh it's oh that's yeah Well, I'll take it all back. Yeah, but no, but it's, but it's true. Like you can, but it's it's a good point that you can really have everything, everything that is good. I cannot imagine you. an easier life. I yeah. just absolutely cannot. I know. And yeah. then, and then you've got this thing this that mental like, health. won't leave you alone. Yeah. Okay. Now I feel like an asshole. Hey, uh, is that an episode? It, I think we will return to the topic. Yeah. This is about uh, a queer comedy and uh, the straight comedian, Bo Burnham. <laughs> he's honorary queer I like, honorary. Him. I like him enough he can be uh, he can hold a speech in the the queer college yeah see you guys around <laughs>